And hello from Boise, Idaho, from outside the echo chamber that is the Idaho State House. But talking about the Idaho State House, it's extra credit. Idaho Education News' weekly podcast on school topics and politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. And this week it's all about the first week of the legislative session, which means it's mostly about the budget and Governor Otter's request that he unveiled on Monday. Walk us through. Yeah, let's get right into it. I think the big story this week was the governor's 35-minute State of the State address, which he delivered on Monday. It was dominated by education issues and education funding recommendations. Uh, So what are we talking about here? The governor asked to increase education spending by another 7.9% this year. That translates to about a $116 million boost in education funding. There were a couple of big priorities that the governor laid out. First thing I noticed was he said full funding of the second year of boosting teacher salaries under the career ladder salary law lawmakers approved last year. There was a new initiative in there that the governor unveiled, which was his call to spend about $10.7 million on a new literacy program designed to improve reading performance of elementary school students. And so that kind of set the agenda. Uh, That really got us started to kick off the session and be focused on education, Kevin. And, And a lot of those topics, I mean, whether it's the career ladder, whether it's operational funding for the school districts, or this early literacy program, it all goes back to 2013. It all goes back to the recommendations from the task force, uh, the, the governor's education task force. These are almost all of these budget items really kind of go back to those uh, those recommendations and try to flesh it out with some money. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the discretionary dollars. Another big aspect of the governor's speech and his budget recommendation was backfilling those recession-era budget cuts to operations funding. Sometimes it's called discretionary funding, but essentially returning us to funding levels per classroom unit that Idaho achieved before the onset of the Great Recession. districts and administrators have been clamoring for that money back to pre-recession levels for years. For years, absolutely. And so that's why we saw early reaction to the governor's speech, particularly among some of the key education groups, there was positive reaction. They were excited about the boost in teacher salaries. They were excited about erasing those recession-era cuts uh, to operations funding. So the early word uh, from the education groups, from many key lawmakers, uh, was a positive start on the education front Mm -hmm. this year. Yeah. And and so 35-minute State of the State address, and most of it was dominated by education topics, so that kind of leaves a lot of things that were undiscussed in this uh, state of the state. A few things that kind of struck uh, struck me as I listened. No discussion of tax relief or tax cuts. Uh, the governor, I think, is really just trying to to exhort legislators to set an education budget and go home without uh, trying to uh, untangle tax relief. Uh, no mention of the standoff in Oregon, which would Ordinarily be kind of an applause line in the state of the state address, no mention of hot button topics like Planned Parenthood or the refugee issue. Um, Which kind of, speaking of which, speaking of refugees, you had an interesting uh, field trip this morning, uh, Friday morning, with members of the House Education Committee. Yeah, this was the first time, this is my sixth legislative session of being there every day. This is the first time I've seen the House Education Committee take, like you said, a field trip, leave the State House and go to a local classroom. And so on a Friday morning, Chairman Reed DeMordant and the lawmakers on the Education Committee on the House side went to Garfield Elementary School and they spent about 45 minutes uh, with 
a group of refugee students who were learning English. And so one of the key things that these lawmakers were interested in was this software that they're using in Garfield and in some districts across the state. And it's called Imagine Learning. This is a Utah-based company that sells this software. Uh, but it was kind of cool. Lawmakers got to see it in action. They got to meet students from all over the world. I met students whose native language is Arabic and Turkish, and they were using this software uh, to learn the English language. And I imagine uh, that this plays in with the literacy recommendation that the governor talked about in his State of the State address, and, and lawmakers seemed very receptive to how these students uh, were using this software to learn English. But speaking of refugees, there was a different refugee discussion at the State House on Thursday that you saw, Kevin, and that might have been a very different experience than what I saw Friday morning in the classroom. And, and I sat in on it with, a, with several other reporters, partly because I wanted to see uh, kind of who showed up and sort of uh, what, what, what sort of discussion there was about uh, refugee education, and really there wasn't. So, so what this was, uh, two speakers were brought in to talk about uh, refugee uh, relocation and uh, their concerns, their opposition to the refugee relocation program, uh, especially uh, relocation of refugees from Syria. Uh, by my count, I think there were maybe about a dozen or so legislators who were there at some point in the, uh, the hour-long presentation. Some kind of looked in for a moment or so and, and, and left. Uh, a few that, uh, that we know from education committees, uh, Stephen Thane, uh, was there, I think, for most of the presentation. Uh, Senate Education Chairman uh, Dean Mortimer was there, but just for a second. I think he just kind of peeked in and, and walked out. Not much talk about education and refugee education, which is kind of what I came to listen for. But uh, we'll see We'll see if the refugee education aspect comes up, because I think we'll see more discussion of refugee, refugee policy as the session unfolds. And I don't know if that plays out in the education committees, so we'll, we'll see. see. That'll be something we'll, we'll track closely. I want to get to some of the other big news um, this week. Not necessarily legislative news, but uh, the first part of this week, the State Department of Education released a risk assessment survey dealing with our students. What were some of the things that this survey uncovered, Kevin? Well, I, I love writing about numbers anyway, but some of these numbers are really rather uh, surprising, uh, startling, uh, maybe unsettling. Uh, what the State Department of Education released on Tuesday was a, a risk, a risk analysis, if you will, of uh, of teen risk behavior. And what they did, they surveyed uh, students from around the state and tried to get a, a handle on risky behavior, whether that's uh, drug use or uh, or drinking or even you know texting while driving. A couple of numbers that really, really, really surprised me. Uh, of the respondents, uh, 37% said that they had engaged in sexual intercourse. Uh, but of that you know, pool of respondents, 7% said that they had engaged in sexual behavior when they really didn't want to, uh, you know, non-consensual uh, sex. And that really, really surprised me. Some of these numbers are very sobering. And what's really maybe even more uh, unsettling about the numbers is uh, they found a lot of connection between... Uh, students who are struggling in school and engaging in at-risk behavior. Now, they don't try to elaborate or determine what causes what, or if there's really a, you know, a causal link. Do you get involved in 
risky behavior because you're struggling in school, or do you struggle in school because you're engaged in risky behavior? Right. Or is it just a correlation without a causation? But some really interesting numbers, and I think a lot of uh, food for thought there as, uh, as we look at uh, social issues in the, in the classroom. Interesting study. One other thing on that risk survey that jumped out to me was the bullying figures. Mm -hmm. If you actually request uh, official State Department of Education numbers on the incidence of bullying that have been tallied around the state, very, very low numbers. Uh, less than 100 incidents across the whole state uh, were tallied in, in the official state records. But if you look at this survey, 26% of students, I, I believe, said they were bullied on school grounds within the last 12 months, and that just does not line up with the data the state releases. And so that was just an interesting takeaway uh, that I got from that survey as well, Kevin. And to be fair, I think uh, the state has acknowledged that there needs to be more uh, more thorough accounting of bullying incidents in school, and I think that goes to the uh, bullying law that was passed last year. Sure. Okay, so first week of the legislative session, I think one of the maybe popular misconceptions is that when the legislature hits town, uh, things happen immediately. Well, the first week tends to be pretty slow. And for both of us, I think the education committees that we watch are kind of moving slowly into the process of uh, legislative rulemaking. Yeah, and so to tell us a little bit about Rulemaking can be a little methodical and a little technical, but why is this something that we're going to watch closely? I think there's a couple rules uh, that we're going to be interested in, but give us a taste of a couple interesting rules that we're going to be following closely at Ed News. Well, I, I think one, some of the ones we're going to be looking at uh, kind of go back to the whole assessment issue. Uh, what uh, what's going on with the SBAC and what's going on with assessment. And it may tie into whether there's a further push in terms of legislation on uh, opting out of the SBAC or uh, getting rid of the SBAC. At any rate, uh, on Thursday, I sat through the first blush of uh, rule, uh, rule review in the Senate Education Committee, and they had a bunch of uh, proposed rules from the, uh, from the State Board of Education. Uh, this tends to sometimes be fairly dry conversation, but uh, one rule was, uh, was amended because there was concern about uh, linking... Idaho's Opportunity Scholarship to an unweighted GPA. And the criticism was, well, shouldn't kids be given some sort of, uh, some sort of bonus for taking more rigorous courses, exactly. like advanced placement? So you had Troy Roan, uh, one of the Boise School Trustees, saying, look, we're trying to get more kids to take AP classes, and they should be rewarded for that. They shouldn't be uh, penalized. So eventually, what the Senate Education Committee passed was a rule that gets rid of the the language that links this opportunity scholarship to unweighted GPA. It's all very arcane, but what's interesting about it is that not every state legislature has this uh, authority to review agency rules and vote them up or down in the committees. Exactly. And I want to have a little fun uh, at this point. I, I want to talk about maybe a couple of the quotes of the week that we saw this week. And one from Senator Thane has to do with this rulemaking process and the fact that other states and certainly Congress don't always enjoy the same process. But give me a quick nominee uh, for quote of the week from Senator Thane. I had to chuckle and I had to use the quote from Senator Thane as he kicked off the review process and pointed out that this is fairly unique. This is uh, not the norm. So he told uh, his fellow senators to view this with joy. Now, this is a 116-page docket of rules. Uh, 
it is not a joy to read 116 pages of agency rules. So it, I think he was being a little bit tongue-in-cheek. I kind of found it amusing. It was one of those quotes you had to work in. What was your favorite quote of the week? I, I'm going to give my nomination for quote of the week to Superintendent of Public Instruction, Sherry Ibarra. She actually sat right next to me uh, during the State of the State Address, and she was very interested in what the governor had to say about education. I think the governor mentioned her twice in the speech, Kevin. And so my nominee for quote of the week comes from Superintendent Ibarra. Uh, she told me this after the first Senate Education Committee meeting of the year, and what she said was, I was so excited about the budget that I almost cried. And I think <laughs> this is a different perspective than maybe 2010, 2011. People would have seen the budget cuts and maybe cried for a yeah, different they reason. Yeah, of a different, uh, <laughs> yeah. different variety. So sure. this is definitely a signal that uh, for maybe the second year in a row, there are more positive feelings uh, about the budget, and these would have been tears of joy that Superintendent Ibarra mentioned. So a little bit different perspective on the budget this week. So that's my nominee. Uh, what You mentioned the rulemaking process and the legislative session starting slowly. What are some of the things that we're going to be watching out for next week? Well, we'll be in the committees all next week, and we'll have uh, the latest on what happens in the committees at idohatnews.org. A couple of stories that I'm working on, because this is a good time of the session to maybe take closer looks at some of the, uh, the, the pieces of the budget, some of the pieces of the education uh, agenda. And I'm, I'm taking a closer look at the STEM Action Center, and I'll have a story early next week. Uh, the governor is talking about a fairly significant increase in funding for this. Uh, you may recall this was a... Uh, the, the STEM Action Center just sort of kind of sprung up towards the end of the legislative session, and uh, about $600,000 was put into it sort of at the last minute, now it's established, sort of. I mean, they have an office, they have a couple of people on staff, so the governor wants to put more money and uh, try to get more staffing into it, so I'm taking a closer look at that budget. And a story I'm looking forward to uh, posting next week, I've had the chance to sit down with Sean Keogh, Senator Sean Keogh. She is uh, now the senior member of the Idaho Senate, and she is now the co-chair of JFAC, the, the Budget Committee. So she is in a, a very... Uh, important position at the state house and she's facing potentially a very uh, a very heated and um, contentious election back home so i've had a chance to sit down and talk to her we'll have that profile using that to sort of set the stage for the education budget requests that will come before her couple weeks down the road. I'm looking forward to your profile about Senator Keogh. I think she's going to play a key role in some of these education budget decisions. Real quick, one thing I'm going to watch, not necessarily next week, but in the weeks ahead, will be the fate of the Common Core Aligned SBAC test. Mm -hmm. I learned this week that one of the key education groups, uh, the school trustees, are not going to be bringing legislation to repeal the SBAC this year. That does not mean, however, that an individual lawmaker or another group could bring legislation to replace or repeal the SBAC, especially in light of some of the concerns in some of these districts. Uh, there's a, a lawsuit in U.S. District Court over this. So that's one thing we'll be watching this session at Idaho Ed News uh, will be the fate of assessment in the SBAC test. Uh, but I think... Yeah, we've not heard the last word on SBAC, and whatever that last word is, we'll, we'll have it. Certainly. We're one week deep into the session. I've had a lot of fun. It sounds like it's going to be hot and heavy with education issues, and so I'm looking forward to following those closely uh, with you, Kevin. I want to remind our listeners, 
to follow our stories every day at Idaho Education News, to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so they can keep the conversation going. But thanks so much for listening to Episode 2 of the Extra Credit Podcast. We'll be back next Friday with all the key news out of the Idaho State House. Thanks so much for listening. 